1: Welcome to the 42Cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. We've got another great episode lined up for you this week, but before we get into that, I should probably talk about what's been going on with the podcast. So, um, you've probably noticed that we haven't had a new episode in about a month. Uh, that's been for a couple of reasons. Uh, the first one is that I submitted my short story, Legacy, to uh, in a anthology that the Earth Station 1 network is doing called Tales of the Station Volume 2, and that'll be available exclusively at DragonCon. So basically I procrastinated like an idiot, and because of that it took a lot of time for me very intensely at the end of the submission period to write the story. It took more time than I really thought that it would, and because of that it pushed the podcast back because I had to spend every free minute working on it. Then, after that, uh, I got really badly sick with a stomach bug, and uh, it's been kind of persistent, actually, so had that off and on for uh, over a week, so that kept me from doing the podcast, but finally, uh, I'm back, and hopefully uh, get things back into a regular release schedule again, so... Um, We're going to dive into our podcast this week, and we're going to start by introducing our guests. First off, uh, it's someone that you've heard a whole bunch if you've been following the show. He is the man that you love to hate. That is my nemesis, Mr. Ryan Guthrie. How are you doing, Ryan?
2: I'm wearing a new Pluto t-shirt just for you.
1: (laughs) And what is this one, sir?
2: Pluto demands a recount. Okay, (laughs)
1: I love it. I love it. So, are you just wearing those ironically?
2: Well, sometimes originally it was pure chance, but now I'm doing it on purpose. Just so you can bring
1: it up when you're when you're on the
2: podcast. It's a little icebreaker. Which now I'm thinking about, considering uh, where these podcasts might be in the queue, that reference might not make any sense to listeners. Oh, sure it does. They've already
1: the first episode already has your you know going on the record about Pluto. So.
2: You mean my correct assessment of its status as a planet? Yeah.
1: <laughs> hey, no, I think Sam said it best. <laughs> In my day, Pluto is a planet. It's going to stay a planet. <laughs> <laughs> it's out there i'll give you that okay <laughs> well it's good to have you back on right good to be back all right great and uh next up is uh, a guy that uh, you last heard on our podcast dealing with heroes he is a video game player extraordinaire and that is james Rao. how are you doing james
3: good so far you know making it but you know what can you do
1: Okay. <laughs> Any anything specific behind that
3: sort of uh, ominous answer there? <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean, I'm looking for a job. So oh. if anybody needs somebody in Washington State that is great with customer service but terrible at selling things, I'm um, <laughs> your guy. <laughs>
1: Hey, th- hey! I mean, customer service is a skill that's kind of lacking these days. So uh-huh. that's uh, definitely not a bad thing. So true story. Anything else happened since the last? I mean, it's been it's been months since the last time that
3: we spoke. <laughs> <It has>. So, <laughs>
2: um,
3: not really. Um, I mean, now that I have a little bit of time on my hands, <laughs> um, I'm I'm looking at uh starting into some writing again. Um, probably doing. Uh, my podcast, uh, where I just kind of talk about video games and uh, occasionally nerd mu- movies as they kind of come out and things like that mm-hmm. with a, f- a couple friends of mine. But uh, past that, uh, not too much. Um, just uh, living the dream. Not my dream. Somebody else's, for sure. But I'm living it.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, you
1: get 50% right. So, you know. Right.
2: <laughs> dream, nightmare, you know. <laughs> it's all <really> and cool. <laughs>
3: Six and one half dozen of the other. Yeah.
1: Well, it's good to have you back on, James. Thank you. All right, and next up is someone new to the 42 cast, but uh those of you who have been on the internet for a while, especially those of you who have gone to Dragon Con, probably know him by reputation. He is always the snazziest dresser that you will find at any con that you go to. That he's at. um he is uh someone who I first met when uh we were doing a uh when I was a guest on a Doctor Who podcast that he was co-hosting, and that is the Phantom Troublemaker, how are you Phantom?
0: I'm doing fantastic now. I've been missing you, man. It's been too long.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it definitely has, you know. But uh, you've you've kind of moved on uh, in your life. You're not doing Earth Station Who anymore.
0: No, I uh, I, I really got to a point, and and I don't uh, want to ruffle any feathers or anything, but I, I diverged from what modern Doctor Who was doing. Mm -hmm. and just decided that, you know, and I still keep up with it and I still love Classic Doctor Who. As a matter of fact, I'm making my way through the key to time right now just just for my own personal amusement. But, uh, you know, I, I just got to the point where I didn't feel like I was a good voice to be commenting on Doctor Who? No, I definitely hear you on that. I can, I can feel you
1: because I've gotten to a point also where I'm just like, I just gotta keep my mouth shut about you know the things that I think because it, it just makes people upset when I bring up uh, you know what I think about the current series. So uh, hey,
0: yeah, that, well, and that's uh, that's the thing is, it let the people who are enjoying it enjoy it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to rain on anybody's parade and I don't want anybody to think that I think they shouldn't enjoy it. I think if they're digging it, good for them. That's cool. And I'll just stick with uh, the Needless Things podcast and cover all the other dorkery in the world, right. of which there is plenty. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, one of, the, one of the podcasts that you did that I really,
1: really enjoyed, and I know now it's probably been months uh, ago, but uh, one that I thought was really awesome just because it kind of inspired me also was uh, when you interviewed John Semper.
0: Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. He, he was fantastic. Uh, I, one of those, you know, because I throw out interview nets all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just send out inquiries, and, and 99% of the time, I just don't hear anything back. But John Sipper Jr., who, if you don't know, is the man that was the showrunner for the old Spider-Man animated series in the 90s, uh, as well as many other, like, great animated shows. Mm-hmm. And he, he replied, oh, I'd love to. That'd, that'd be great. Uh, you know, I can give you an hour, hour and a half of my time. That'd be awesome. And came on the show. <laughs> and it was great
1: yeah that was a really great episode because i mean i grew up with that spider man cartoon also and so and so yeah just having his thoughts on everything and you know just some the anecdotes about how the show came together and everything that was a lot of fun so it actually inspired me to do some interviews myself so uh, i've been putting myself out there and like you you know a lot of people don't respond or whatever but uh you know it's kind of neat especially in this era Uh, There are a lot of creative people on Facebook that don't necessarily get a ton of recognition. They're not huge celebrities, and like you just tell them, like, "Hey, I'm doing a podcast. Would you like to come on?" And they're like, "Sure, why not?" You know. So it's it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I think we're we're uh, uh, you know we do still get a lot of no responses, but we're in kind of a magical time where. A lot of guys that maybe work on stuff behind the scenes or aren't necessarily big celebrities, but that have an amazing portfolio of work Mm -hmm. are, are like, sure, I'd love to talk to you. That'd be cool.
1: And, uh, yeah, a lot of times people who, uh, aren't the big celebs have a lot of cool stories to tell that you've never heard before. Uh, whereas mm-hmm. a lot of the big celebrities, if you've already seen or heard an interview with them, you know, they say the same sound bites over and over. So you're not necessarily getting anything new. So, you know, that's right. Uh,
0: we, we don't want Tom Cruise on our shows. People would be like, Tom Cruise again. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly.
2: It, it sounds like the difference between people who are, making money doing what they love and then just people who are making money
1: yeah definitely definitely a part of it but yeah phantom so happy to have you on the show and uh, glad to reconnect with you
2: yeah man glad to be
0: here
1: all right so now we're going to move on to another uh session of five questions Uh, Now, Phantom, since this is your first time on the show, uh, what five questions is, is it's a way for uh, us to just sort of kind of loosen up before we tackle the topic. And uh, so what I do is I just throw five random questions determined by a a random number generator and a list that I've been compiling they can be anything a lot of them are geeky but sometimes they're just sort of general questions where it's like there's only two answers that you can give so it makes it so that we don't go too far off onto the weeds but uh you yeah, know yeah. it uh, also gives people a little bit of a, a background on the people that are on the show so first question
0: better captain kirk or picard holy crap dude <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I i mean I, I could go on and on and on i'm just gonna throw out picard okay uh, because he's a more strategic thinker, uh, he is more of a leader and commander than Kirk. Uh, he can delegate. Uh, I just he he is more captain esque to me than Kirk was. Okay, fair enough.
3: Yeah, I <clears throat> I'm in agreement with with Phantom on that. Uh, I mean, I would I yeah the card um, like I was. A, part of that's just the generation. Like, I really, I, I mean, I watched some of the original, like, Star Trek series and everything with Kirk, but I didn't really follow it closely. Like, I was the generation that kind of grew up watching Picard. And, yeah, uh, I, I always preferred uh, his style because rather than, like, the hands-on captain, which some people really like, like, he, he as I said he was kind of a delegation captain, like, exactly as most captains kind of function. Like, all right, you, you're all the away team. Go figure this out. And then things didn't work out and be like, great, we'll send different people this time that are better at it or solve the problem in another way. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, no, I was always a Picard fan.
1: Okay. Ryan, I think we've actually asked you this one before. <laughs> so you've been on enough episodes now that you're starting to get like, you know, the same questions back, yeah. but uh, I can't remember exactly which way you went. So,
2: I, <laughs> I, you know, Picard is the better politician. He's the better bureaucrat. But Kirk is well, especially for dealing with uh, motion picture, you know, the movies. Kirk is the the better captain. And I would follow. And I think I'm going to quote myself here. I would follow Kirk into the gates of hell. You know, uh, he just inspires in that in that way. Uh, whereas Picard, uh, you know, I would do what he said, but only because it's Starfleet protocol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I, uh, I'm definitely a Kirk fan. I mean, I'm of the same generation that grew up with Picard, but I remember a time when Next Generation hadn't come out yet, and Star Trek the original track was in syndication. And, uh, you know, I... I like Kirk. I think Kirk, I think he is a more inspirational leader, like you say, Ryan. Whereas Picard feels a little too staid and a little too, you know, there's the joke about how he always wants to surrender to everybody. It's like, can we use more diplomacy? You know, and so I like Kirk being a more action, you know, oriented, you know, uh, take charge kind of commander. So, um, yeah. Question number two. We're definitely going away from geeky here.
0: Coke or Pepsi? Coke by I uh, like Pepsi. Doesn't even compare in that. If if somebody brings me Pepsi in a restaurant, I get terribly, unreasonably offended. <laughs> like when you when you order Coke and they just bring you Pepsi, thinking it's okay. Uh, I I want to sit. I want to ask the wait person. Excuse me. If I ordered a salad and you were out of salad, would you bring bring me a plate of garbage? <laughs> <laughs> no, you wouldn't. So don't bring me Pepsi when I ask for Coke. Alright, I think Phantom feels strongly on this subject.
3: <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm kind of reeling from his response because I used to work in a restaurant as a server and I'm like, yes, I would bring you garbage. <laughs> right, but, but just me. <laughs>
1: exactly.
3: Um, man, it depends on, on, like, I guess what I'm drinking. Like, if I'm. If I'm doing, like, I don't really like either, um, particularly, but like, if I'm, if I'm having like a rum and Coke, like it's a rum and Coke, you can't, you can't mix that up with Pepsi. It's, it's completely wrong. If I have to have like a casual drink, like if, if I don't have a choice, um, then I'll drink a Pepsi or just choose water.
1: <laughs> <No>.
2: <laughs> coke over Pepsi, but diet Pepsi over diet Coke.
1: Okay. okay fair enough i uh i'm a coke guy I, my reaction is probably a little lighter than phantoms but it's pretty close <laughs> where uh you know it's like uh, i mean neither one is my go-to you know I'd, if i was gonna have a soda i'd rather have like a dr pepper or something but uh, yeah between those two to me coke just tastes worlds better than pepsi um you know there are off-brand colas that i'd rather have than pepsi so uh you know that's
2: yeah and yeah, I, I, I'm i sorry, I can't speak for James, but I know you, Nathan, and Phantom, the three of us were either born or raised or live, you know, in kind of that southeast mm-hmm. uh, area of the U.S., and that's definitely kind of a Coke-dominated region.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it's true, but, uh, but yeah, I, yeah, and, and yeah, Pepsi's much bigger up here where I am now in Wisconsin, but uh, yeah, no,
0: Coke, Coke all the way.
2: Just as long as no one says RC, I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: have well, if, if <laughs> you're gonna have rc you've got to have a moon pie to go with it
1: yeah. <laughs> Aww, <moon pies.
2: laughs>
0: oh
1: man all right third question marianne or ginger
0: oh gosh ginger <laughs> I, I can't i mean, re- talking redhead here i mean uh, personality doesn't even enter into it okay which is shallow and evil and i'm a bad bad man but ginger
1: it's fine you know the first podcast i did i asked chris hemsworth and chris evans and the women on the podcast just like really parsed that one out so so you're fine <laughs> dude. you can be sexist it's all
3: right <laughs> man i didn't it's been a long time since i've watched Gilligan's island ginger is obviously she's the redheaded one right yes yeah okay. she's the yes i've i've got a thing for redheads like it's just so i'm i'm a ginger kind
2: of guy Okay. Yeah, uh, three for three, Ginger. Oh, okay. So I'm the
1: Minority Report this time. I'm I'm Marianne. I, just for whatever reason, like, uh, you know, like Phantom, I am going to go shallow here. I just don't like redheads for whatever reason. Um, You're uh, a smart man for that.
0: (laughs) You're like putting your hand into fire? uh, (laughs) 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 But, uh, you
1: know, uh, know, hair color, you know, shouldn't really be the reason, but it is. (laughs) i love brunettes i love darker women in general which is weird because i married a blonde so go figure but uh yeah marianne was the one i always liked while watching gilligan's island
2: well unlike the coke pepsi one i don't really think there's a wrong answer on this one
1: no i would agree with that yes all right fourth question i don't know why the random number generator decided to do a lot of non-geeky ones this time mac
0: or pc uh pc just because it's it's what I've always used and my understanding is that going from one to the other is, is tremendously difficult and also uh, Macs
3: are very, very expensive.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, man, this is another one. It's, it's a hard, like solid choice for me because it depends on what I'm doing. Um, like, I own a PC. I function primarily on a PC uh, pretty consistently for just about everything I do. Um, but back in the day, once upon a time when I did a little bit of graphical design, um, I haven't taken a Mac any day of the week for that. Um, just had better processing power for it. Um, it just worked a lot more smoothly than a PC did. But I guess overall, yeah, I use a PC primarily.
2: Okay. Yeah, I can only belong to so many cults at a time. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, PC.
1: (laughs) I already have a Saturn car, so I can't really have a Mac. (laughs) I'm working a Fitbit, so (laughs) (laughs) Oh god. Yeah, yeah, for me yeah, I mean cost is definitely one of the key things here, but yeah, the Mac it just makes me feel like that I need to you know, it's like that Seinfeld episode where he's talking about how he can't be an orgy guy because he'll need orgy clothes and he'll need to, you know, do orgy, you know. <laughs> just all, you know, I just have to remake his whole life, right? And it's just for me, it's like, I can't be a Matt guy. I don't dress like a Matt guy. I don't act like a Matt guy. You know, I just can't have a Mac, you know, so. <clears throat> Final question. Who would you rather have on your side in a fight?
0: Ellen Ripley or Sarah Connor? Sarah Connor. Because she, she, well, okay, are we talking about uh, 1984 Sarah Connor, or are we talking about, you know, Terminator 2 oh, Sarah no, Connor, no, or well, are we talking about Sarah Connor Chronicles Sarah Connor?
1: Is there really that much of a difference in your answer between Terminator oh, sure. 2 and Sarah Connor oh,
0: for sure, because if you're yeah. giving me the first, you know, first edition Sarah Connor, I'm going to take Ripley.
1: Oh, well, no, 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 but I mean, I, I understand the first Terminator, but between Terminator 2 and Sarah Connor
0: Chronicles... So, like, ult- we're talking about Ultimate Form Sarah yes. Connor yeah, yeah, totally Sarah Connor. And why is that? Oh, just because she, I mean, she's trained. She she has had one focus in her entire life for however many years, and that is to be a badass killing machine, well, killing and evasion machine, mm. uh, whereas Ripley was just kind of forced into bad situations, and yes, she persevered, but I think Sarah Connor's the more efficient warrior. All right.
3: I'm going to go with Sarah Connor. And it's only because I can't rely too much on what I call the Rick Grimes theory, which is you follow somebody who just either gets lucky by dumb luck or they or, 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 or they just put other people in harm's way and they manage to survive. I I wanted to go with that theory with, with Ripley, but I was like, no, no, that doesn't pan out very well for me. Uh, so yeah, I would go with Sarah Connor. <laughs> Yeah,
1: you get the one time that their luck doesn't hold out. And, uh, right. <laughs> you die.
2: Uh, I'm in the minority so far. I'm going to go with Ripley. And that's simply because, as of the last time I checked in, Skynet does not have uh, space travel capabilities, and Ripley would just nuke them from orbit. <laughs> Game over. <laughs> that,
1: <laughs> it's a decent answer since the, the scenario wasn't well defined. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, i'm gonna go with sarah connor while both are strong you know female characters uh i feel like sarah connor is just that much tougher and like people have said she's got more training behind her so she'd be the one that i'd want uh, in a fight
2: well I, it's a cat and dog question sarah connor has a dog ripley is a cat
1: oh huh? yeah. i hadn't thought about that <laughs> <laughs> A, that's an interesting <laughs> that's an interesting <laughs> observation yeah. Yeah, um, I know, blown, right? yeah i don't, I don't <laughs> think it has any bearing on the answer but all right yeah. <laughs> all right well that is another five questions successfully completed Woo! all right good. all right so uh before we kick off the topic itself let's pause for a moment for a promo from another fine podcast
0: Do you like toys? Do you like movies? Do you like music? Then tune in to the Needless Things podcast each and every Friday for all the best pop culture dorkery. Listen to cool interviews, roundtable discussions on current happenings, and monthly needless commentaries where the Needless Things Irregulars provide their thoughts on cult classic and current favorite films. We also cover huge events like Toy Fair, San Diego Comic Con, and Dragon Con. If you want fun, honest conversation and pant loads of dorkery, visit needlessthingssite.com each and every Friday for the Needless Things podcast, also available on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever fine podcasts are found. That's Needless Things podcast at needlessthingssite.com. Be there. Back to
1: the All right, and we're back. Today's topic is something that I'm calling the Age of Nostalgia, and uh, it's something that I've been thinking about for quite a few years now, where it just seems like more and more we're seeing things from our past uh, coming up, and it seems even more than more than historically true, because there are certain characters, obviously, like Sherlock Holmes that have come up again and again. Every generation uh, has their version of that character. Uh, there have been tons of adaptations. But it seems like uh, recently, Hollywood is going back to the well... Uh, you know, things just even in the last 20 to 30 years and either doing uh, reboots or uh, continuations uh, of things. And that's something completely new because while reboots have existed, you know, since time, you know, immemorial continuations of a series that ended 20 or 30 years ago is something that I've never heard of before. And uh, we're seeing things like that. We're seeing revivals of things like The Muppets. Uh, we're seeing shows come back that have been canceled years ago. Um, Twin Peaks is coming back. Uh, so you've got all this stuff, uh, you know, we got things like Voltron being rebooted. And it's it's kind of interesting to me. So I just wanted to sort of get people's thoughts on, first of all, what they think is going on, why, uh,
3: you know, we're going back to those wells. It, it is an interesting time. And I'm I find myself constantly being kind of <laughs> at, at a conflict battle with myself over some of the reboots. Mm-hmm. Um, like I've watched like the Voltron reboot and I, I think it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, though, I mean, there's movies uh, that they're rebooting. Like, I, I thought I heard some rumor out there that uh, they were uh, rebooting. Um, oh, what is it? Uh, Kurt Russell, I think, with uh, Escape from New York. For- yeah. Like, I heard that they were rebooting that, and I was like, <laughs> why? 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 Like, there's so we zero can get Escape from
0: it. Detroit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I escape from Flint. <laughs>
3: Um, well, I mean, and that's another good one, like RoboCop. Like mm. I, like I, mm-hmm. I think I liked the concept of what they were trying to do with it, but at the same time, like after having watched it, I was just like, there was zero need for this. Like, a, it didn't have like what the original movies had in terms of a graphic content. B, um, just like a driving story. Like, I mean, it was. It was kind of there, like I saw it, uh, caught the glimpse, but they just they didn't they didn't get it all the way uh, to home plate. So yeah, I just I I don't know. I'm I'm always at a constant conflict over it, and I'm I'm not really sure. Um, half the time, like what I'm going to think of it. I mean, there's some stuff I've seen a preview for, like for a movie or something and flat out been like, that's a Netflix rental. I will not pay movie money for that. There's no way. <laughs> so it, yeah, I just don't know. It's, it's a weird age. And I, I do feel like to some degree, Hollywood is struggling with like new ideas. Like, and I don't mm-hmm. know if it's a struggle or if it's just a cash grab. Um, like I'm sure there are people out there writing wonderful stories uh to be told in film and people are just like well we could do that or we could reboot power rangers yeah <laughs> just jump to that <laughs> right
1: yeah no I, I totally get what you're saying phantom what do you uh what are you thinking?
0: well i mean we all love the stuff that we love and hollywood mm. loves making money they love presenting things that are familiar to us uh and and Uh, You know, like James said, if they have the opportunity to produce some bold, original new thing or slap Power Rangers on something, they're more comfortable slapping Power Rangers on something because we recognize it and and they're going to get a certain amount of what they feel is guaranteed money off of doing that. But I mean, you know, we are still getting bold, original sci-fi concepts uh, from time to time. They're just not the big releases you know they're not the big blockbuster things like the marvel movies or power rangers or or whatever the case may be but i, I think it's all about it's all about our desire for familiarity uh, which i you know i'll admit to you right now it is easier to sell me on a new star trek movie or star wars or you know any of the stuff that i'm into than on the adventures of tad grommet in <laughs> salamander land or something <laughs> like and and that's not because I don't want original stuff, but it's just because, well, well, man, that's Star Trek. Like, I know at the very least I'm going to be familiar with what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm old and running out of time. I only have so much to invest in things.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I totally get you. And one of the other problems, though, is, you know, if you're going to give me, like, a space story about a ship out exploring, I'd rather you just called it Star Trek anyway instead of giving me something that obviously is somebody trying to do Star Trek. And they just don't have the license, so, you know, they give you something that is sort of similar, but, you know, just a little bit different. So, you know, not not everything is either a bold concept or, you know, a continuation of a, an existing franchise. Sometimes we get those in-between things that are, like, franchise E, but, you know, uh, just like somebody else's take on an existing concept. So And sometimes those are good, but it's a lot easier to sell me on just saying, you know, just just make another Star Trek. Because I'm already invested in that universe uh, rather than, you know, something, you know, that's a little bit different.
2: I was just thinking about Andromeda while you were talking just then. My swipe at Star Trek type related show. My feeling, to echo everyone, yeah, there is, I think it's more of a risk aversion factor for studios and, and production companies. I mean, they're... There's a generation, our generation, which is of an age now, where we're kind of big into the nostalgia factor, and so they know that we're we're not necessarily a sure thing, but we're pretty darn close. Just I think the phenomenal success of Stranger Things, which isn't a continuation, isn't a reboot, but it was set in the '80s, and we could watch it and have all those '80s memories come back. is just kind of a, a testament to that effect. The, the shows we met the shows and movies we've mentioned so far, yeah, I, my, my thing of it is is there's this sense that if the, if one is good, the other must be bad. and I don't think that's the case. You know, I can enjoy the original and the reboot or remake or continuation or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And you know, if it's a good story, it's a good story. that's, that's really a, for me what matters. Maybe it does take away from original stuff, but if I feel like I'm getting my money's worth, I don't care.
1: Yeah. You know, I've been down on reboots in the past, and I've kind of checked myself on that just because, you know, there are certain things that are rebooted all the time that I don't even pay attention to, and then I realize that, you know, I accept those, so why not accepting other kinds of reboots? I mean, a good example is Batman. You know, uh, you know, I had, had yeah. Michael Keaton as Batman, uh, growing up, but you know, then we had the Christian Bale Batman, which I also really love, you know, and of course now we've got the, uh, Ben Affleck Batman, which, you know, feelings vary on, but again, I mean, it's like, I accept Batman being rebooted, you know, I accept James Bond being rebooted, you know, the Daniel Craig Bonds, uh, I really like more than a lot of the old Bonds. So, you know, I, I realized that if I could accept those reboots, I really have to, you know, start looking at other reboots and not just say reboots are bad. You know, they, they have potential to be bad or good.
2: I would I would almost say that superhero flicks, you know, Batman, Superman, and Spider-Man and James Bond, I'll throw him in there. They're kind of a different category. They're almost like, uh, like you mentioned, Sherlock or or mm-hmm. you know, Hamlet or something like that. They're just different interpretations. So yeah, they're they're almost kind of a given that they're going to be rebooted and continued. It's the other ones that you your Conan's or your uh, what was the one that came out um, Fright Night uh, the same summer as Conan. You know, movies like that, that and and other properties like that, or uh, X Files you know, continuing that now that I think well, that's the question.
0: See, I'd put Conan in the same category as Batman and everything. Cause the basis for Conan is, is you know, a series of novels. So it's, mm-hmm. it is, it is another recognizable, you know, not a superhero, but a character that existed in form, you know, other than movies initially. And I think refreshing him, the, the problem is that they didn't refresh him. Well,
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, but
0: I think refreshing definitely. him is definitely great. And and really, the bottom line for me, I, I have no problem with reboot sequels, whatever anybody wants to do, because this is something that I I said many, many times on Earth Station Who and, and on my own show. I, I don't care as long as the writing is good and the characters are good. I don't care what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Just entertain me. Now, here's a thought that I've had, and I
1: want your take on it: is that you know one of the reasons why we're going to nostalgia more and more is that we all grew up in a generation where, for the first time, we could record a lot of our TV shows and movies and whatnot, and replay them over and over and over again. So we, I think, have a little bit more of an attachment. I mean, fandoms, you know, became more of a force, you know, in the 80s and then the 90s and whatnot about that same time. And I think that might be Hollywood just sort of cluing into the fact that we have become more attached to properties as a culture. And because of that, you know, maybe they should just stick with those properties instead of, you know, going off in different directions.
0: I think the reason that it was easier for our generation to latch on to things is because there was nothing going on in the world that directly affected us in our little bubble of pop culture. Hmm. My dad loves the stuff that he grew up with, Andy Griffith show, uh, what's her face, <laughs> <laughs> Mary Tyler Moore, Dick uh, Van Dyke, mm-hmm. like all that stuff. He loves all that stuff as much as I love Star Wars, but he just... Didn't develop quite the same attachment mm-hmm. because you know his generation had Vietnam. Uh, they grew up out of World War II. Uh, there was strife in the world before we were born that I think was a legitimate reason for people to not take pop culture as seriously as we do.
2: Yeah, I think uh, to follow up on that, I kind of I have to agree. I, I wouldn't have thought about it that way, but it's kind of like you know when you mentioned those shows one of the reboots that came to mind was uh, uh bewitched mm-hmm. uh, with will farrell and that was not aimed at the generation at the people that watched bewitched when it aired came mm-hmm. out originally that that was aimed at us and mm-hmm. people later on who watched it in reruns
0: yeah, my, my parents had no interest in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had no interest in that
1: movie.
2: But that's well, okay, a whole nobody other... <laughs> had any interest in that movie, <laughs> right. but, but we,
0: we see your point. <laughs>
2: right. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, although I will say
1: I did actually grow up watching Bewitched because uh, a lot of those uh, 50s and 60s TV shows were on in syndication when I was growing up. So a lot of time uh, when I was out of school, for whatever reason, like Weekday after Afternoons, you know, they'd play things like Bewitched, Gomer Pyle, uh, High Dream of Genie, you know, all those kinds of shows. So I did grow up with a
0: lot of those shows, even though I'm not of that generation. Well, and Nick at Night also came along, mm-hmm. you know, when we were young. So yeah. we got exposed to, to a lot of that stuff. Mm hmm. The
1: other thing that I was thinking of, and, you know, it's one of those things that especially reading interviews, I see more and more that a lot of the people, you know, there isn't this sort of, some fans want to make it this sort of thing of Hollywood and Hollywood doesn't get this, as if there's an artificial distinction between fans and what Hollywood wants. When a lot of times when you're reading these interviews, you find that a lot of the creators are fans themselves. So you know maybe as an outgrowth of what you're talking about phantom where you know our generation is more tied in with pop culture you know it's just a natural extension that you know when these guys get into the film industry they're like well i would really want to take a project i mean jj abrams is a great example star wars fan huge star wars fan and he you know wanted that opportunity as soon as star wars was available he wanted to jump in and make that first new star wars movie
0: I think that's a good call. And you can tell sometimes when the the creative force behind a property is a fan, like mm-hmm. uh, my my current example that I think of all the time is the the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon mm-hmm. uh, that's on Nickelodeon right now. You can tell that the people creating it grew up watching the original cartoon and that they have reverence for not only it, but the comics. Uh, like, those guys know what they're doing. they're not just slapping ninja Turtles on something to I mean yes they are slapping ninja Turtles on something just to make money but there's <laughs> love there as well <laughs> like if you've seen that cartoon every every bit of it echoes uh, a pure fandom for the franchise and, and you can tell when that's present and it, and I feel like it's happening more and more because people our age or, or even younger quite frankly mm-hmm. are coming into control of these things.
1: Yeah. I mean, and to be fair, I mean, money is always going to be something that they care about because it obviously costs money to produce this content. So they want to see a return on that investment. You know, sure. So, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like we shouldn't get too far down into the money, you know, tree. I mean, some of it, it's the difference between, like you say, you can tell when something is, they're just caring about the money and when it's somebody who actually loves the property. You know, there's some cases where it does seem a little muddled, but uh, you know, for most most cases, you can tell.
2: It's kind of a it's J.J. Abrams. Then he loves it versus someone like Michael Bay with Transformers, who (laughs) (laughs) that's just pure money. (laughs) And I don't want to disparage
0: anybody making money. I, I, you know, that, that it is a necessary thing for the entertainment industry that we enjoy so much. So, I mean, I'm I'm not in any way demonizing the desire to make money, but it's nice. When a passion is
3: involved as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think what's kind of something that occasionally, not super often, but occasionally we do come across is like somebody who is really impassioned by a particular franchise. Like, Oh, I grew up and I was, I was watching this and I loved it. And so now I get a piece of this and I get to be a part of that legacy. And then they just fall on their face yeah. so hard. yeah, yeah. Um, Because, because they went with a concept that, it, I mean, it's it. I guess for lack of a better term, they they went with a theory craft that we've all done where we've watched the TV show and we're like, you know, if they did that instead, like if I wrote this, I would do that instead. I guaranteed be better. And then, of course, uh, it's it's in reality a terrible idea. And just nobody realized it like everybody else was on board, because if you say anything with conviction, it sounds great to outside <laughs> parties like they'll be like, oh, yeah. No, that sounds good. And then they actually watched it and then they're like, that that wasn't as good as I thought it was. Well,
1: and there's a whole difference between an idea and and execution anyway. You might have a great idea and there might have been a way to execute it in a way that was great, but you don't always execute perfectly as well. So, you know, mm-hmm. there's there's a huge
0: spectrum there, I think. Well, James, I'll I'll tell you the the best example of what you're talking about is in modern comic books. The writers Mm -hmm. are are at this point all fans, and a lot of times it's pretty apparent that they're getting paid to write their fan fiction. Yeah. uh they, they're not necessarily following the core of the character or the scenario or the universe they're doing what they think would be cool even if it's not what's best for the the franchise or the license or whatever uh, and, and that that's where it it seems to happen a lot more just because it it is you know it's comic books it's cheaper to make a comic there's not as much oversight there
2: yeah. right you can write on it yeah <laughs> right
0: well
1: i mean the other thing about comics though is that they've they they're experiencing a dwindling readership Also, so I think they might be trying to go more for things that are shocking or event-driven, anyway, just to boost those sales, rather than you know going with you know logical you know progressive storytelling because they're just trying to 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 you know keep that industry from just hemorrhaging out you know all of its readership.
2: Well, okay, not to go too off on a tangent there, (laughs) but just my two cents worth of the biggest problem, or what I believe to be one of the bigger problems with the comic industry today. Is less it is more to do with uh, missed deadlines more than anything else. Mm. But uh, you know, if you can't trust a uh, issue is going to come out reliably, you're going to just stop following it sooner or later. So. Uh, kind of similar to some TV shows. Uh, it's kind of similar to the new Star Trek. Fuller. I'm getting less and less confident about that every time it gets pushed back.
1: Well, know? yeah, the, the funniest thing to me about the new Star Trek, and this is actually on topic because the Star Trek series is another continuation of an existing franchise, and it is part yeah. of that nostalgia that we're mining. But uh, just to your point, Ryan, the thing that I thought was hilarious, when they've now announced their third date, for a star Trek discovery, the picture that was associated with the article that people were sharing all over Facebook was of the head of CBS laughing. And I just thought that that was <laughs> like, oh, wow. I, was
2: like
1: I was like, yeah, what a great photo to share because yeah, I don't trust a single date they put out
0: there now. after the third time they've rescheduled it. Since it is on topic, I, I'd be very interested to hear where you guys stand on that. I, you know, I want it to be incredible. I want it to be new Star Trek that I love, but I will admit right now, I'm not subscribing to another streaming service for just one Star Trek show. I'm, I'm, I won't. I don't care. Even if Brian Fuller had stayed on, mm-hmm. even if it had been a better concept than I think it is, and I'm not too impressed with what they've presented so far, mm-hmm. uh, there, there's not much they could have done to make me subscribe to CBS's freaking streaming service. Well, How do you guys feel? Where are you guys on this one?
1: Yeah, um so I've pretty much said the same thing that you have, Phantom. And that's the thing, and that was even before they said a concept or anything. They just said it's going to be a new Star Trek series. We're going to put it on uh CBS All Access, and it was clear that this was like basically the prop to prop up right. their streaming service cuz no one's going to care about anything else that's on or not enough to pay for a streaming no. service on no. CBS <laughs> All Access. And so they're thinking, "Oh, there are all these Trekkies out there, and we're going to force them to all, you know, subscribe to our service." And- So that will artificially prop it. Well, see, they already tried that. And that was with a little network that they called UPN that they were like, oh, we'll put Star Trek Voyager on UPN and then we'll just fill it out with crappy content everywhere else. And the Star Trek fans will keep our ratings up and it didn't work. UPN tanked. It got, you know, merged in with the WB and now it's, you know, anyway, but it's, it's, it's a bad idea, um, through and through And And, you know, I don't mind the concept they presented. The only thing that's really bothered me is that they're recasting Sarek. um, which I'm sorry that's one of the few character actor associations that I have where I'm just like no uh, Mark Leonard is Zarek and I don't think anyone else can follow those shoes now I might be completely surprised by the guy playing him but I'm just not happy with that right now but I'm just not going to spend the money to do the streaming service and if they you know don't release dvds because they try to force people well guess what you know even though i'm against bootlegs normally uh you know for a star trek show if they're going to just (laughs) keep uh you know withholding it from us you know i'm sure someone on the internet will be able to hook me up so you know it's gonna happen so they they should definitely look into doing a a blu-ray or dvd release
2: okay my thoughts on the matter it's 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 Star Trek, and I mean, <laughs> I'll, even bad Star Trek is good Star Trek, You know, where, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, as terrible as the Abrams movies were, I, can t- I still enjoy them because it's these familiar characters. That's, they, they know they've got me where they want me. They're mining mm-hmm. my nostalgia there. Mm-hmm. But I kind of got to see, I want to see what the format is when it's all said and done. Uh, if they do something where they let you access all the episodes, I think they're going to drop them week by week rather than all at once um right. so then i might wait till they're all out and then get it for a month to watch the entire season they've
1: already commented on that they said that they are going to specifically do it in such a way that you can't do that that they're only going to have six episodes available at a yeah. time
2: see then then i think they're just they're shooting themselves in the foot there they're they're just gonna end up making the base angry at them when all said and done now, aren't they releasing like the first episode free? or they're, No, they're airing the first episode actually on CBS.
0: Well, in a, I thought it was in
1: theaters, wasn't it? No, it's on CBS. They said originally oh, okay. that it was going to air on CBS, but we don't know with all these reschedules whether or not that's even going to happen anymore. Back when it was supposed to come out in January yeah. of 2017, they said it was going to air on television. They haven't said that in any of the future uh, the articles that have come out since then, so I don't know if they've dropped that or not.
3: Yeah. I, I wouldn't imagine that they would, mostly because that I mean, when we when we get down to like like folks like like my aunt, uh, she's sixty odd years old and like watched original Star Trek forever and ever and <laughs> um and all of that. And so like for people like her, she doesn't follow the internet, like she barely mm-hmm. knows how to work a computer. And so, like, I I would see them still pushing that through to do at least the first episode Mm -hmm. on network. That way, in that episode, like, at the beginning or the end of it or both or whatever they choose to do, they can tell the viewership, like, hey, if you loved this show and want to continue watching the series, go to, you know, cbs.com and subscribe to our, you know, our free stream—or not our free, but subscribe to our streaming service so you can continue— Which is either going to do one of two things, either it's going to get a boatload of people to go shell out money for this one show that they want to watch, or it's going to absolutely blow up in their face. It's going to turn into revolt and people are going to go, well, I mean, this first episode wasn't even that great and I'm Mm. not really like hooked. So uh, screw you guys. (laughs) So (laughs) I guess we'll see yeah
1: ryan to your point about how they're just going to annoy the fan base but think this is the thing that they want to be their prop so they don't want people to subscribe for just a month and have access to all the episodes because that doesn't help them out they want people to be forced to subscribe throughout the year to be able to get the content so that it keeps you know their service going so that's the thing They've, they've created this thing where they need to be jerks like that and that's you know, why a lot of people like Phantom and I are turned off by the whole notion.
2: Well, I see, I don't think you need to be jerks like that. I mean, I think... If you've got a good product, then you can make it work. I mean, uh, no, <laughs> I just think there there is a, a good right way to do it. It also depends on price. Uh, you know, I, I'll have, I've got, what, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime. Uh, no, I do not particularly want to subscribe to another service, but, you know, I, I might look at it and say, well, how often am I using Hulu? Uh, do I really need that? And maybe I don't need it for three months so I can get this. It's just, it's, you have to i think trekkies in particular are a very sensitive bunch and i say this being one uh you know we take it very seriously and and we love we love our product with a passion so you you just you don't want to turn them into your enemies look at the whole again slightly off topic but the whole fan film debacle with paramount Mm -hmm. you know it's it's just it's you you want the fans on your side is or otherwise the entire cbs access will never work
1: yeah, Paramount's got a history, though, of shooting fandom in the foot. I mean, the whole idea of we don't need Star Trek fans to make Enterprise work. You know, that whole attitude that they had, uh, you know, was not a positive attitude at all. And is why a lot of people, you know, don't like Enterprise, uh, you know, is because of the questionable decisions they made with the property. Because they were like, well, we're making this for non Star Trek fans.
0: Dude, 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 dude. who needs fans when you've got a sweet ass theme song? Do you have faith? Faith of the hearts, do you? And, And, you know, funny enough,
1: once they finally recognized we need Star Trek fans, you know, to like this show. That's when people say Enterprise really picked up, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the third and fourth seasons.
2: It picked up when Berman was shown the door, basically. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've, yeah, it takes more than Jolene Blaylock.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's not get too far down the Star Trek rabbit hole here, though. But now, now I'm kind of curious what everybody thinks. It, just in the last, let's say, in the last like three or four years. What is a, a either a reboot or a continuation that you feel like has been just genius?
2: I would say the, and I mentioned it earlier in passing, but um, with no slight to the original, I really enjoyed the Fright Night remake from like five or six years ago with uh, David Tennant and Anton Yelchin and um, Colin Farrell. Uh, it was just, it was fun, and I, I don't think I would laughed at a vampire movie. Deliberately, you know, on purpose, <laughs> you know, as much. So I'm going to go with that. Well, laughed and been scared at the same time. Yes, it yeah, was it so, so effective. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not not
1: like a love at first bites or uh, whatever that Jim Carrey one was that once I can't. Bit, once, bitten. Once, bitten. once bitten, yeah, once yeah. bitten. <laughs> not like an out and out comedy. No, 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 no vampire no. movie, right? Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah, horror comedy or something. Dark comedy. I don't know <laughs> right. what they call it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I
0: already mentioned it, and I'm going to stick with it because I think it's one of the the very best uh, sort of continuation type things I've ever seen. And that's the current, uh, well, it's it's ending this year, but the, the Ninja Turtles cartoon on Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I am not a big fan of CG animation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still, when I watch Clone Wars and Rebels, I'm, I'm kind of like, Ech, I wish it wasn't this. As good as those shows are. Uh, and same thing with Ninja Turtles. Uh, I was not happy at all when they announced it was going to be CG. But the show won me over just by being incredible. Uh, They took basically every aspect of the mythology, did it so many different ways, and then the season before the current season, they went into outer space, which is, you know, for some shows is jumping the shark. Mm -hmm. And they managed to go out and have yet another excellent season that still incorporated elements from the comics and and the old cartoons and everything else. Uh, And what really impressed me the most is the fact that the current season, they came back to Earth and just, continued they they didn't feel the need to oh well we've got to be bigger and better than outer space this time they continued a a more grounded you know local to new york storyline that just really i mean that that show never stopped impressing me and, and just getting better and better as it went on i i think it's the very best example of refreshing a franchise
1: Awesome, yeah. I I haven't watched it, but I've heard a ton of good things from other people about it. But you're like my spirit animal, phantom because the CG <laughs> animation it doesn't do it for me either. Um, uh, yeah. You know, it, in fact, you know, when we were kids, you know, Beast Wars was a thing, and oh, I not. know a lot of people who love Beast Wars, and I'm a huge Transformers fan. You know, Gen One Transformers is my thing. I've still got like 90 Transformers from when I was a kid. You know uh, that I that I carry around with me on every move and wonder why, but. Um, <laughs> I uh, but I could never get into Beast Wars because that CG animation uh, turns me off so much, uh, and uh, it's just one of those things. But Ninja Turtles is something it sounds like I really ought to check out because everyone that I've talked to
0: just sings its praises constantly. It's fantastic. The storytelling is great, and the the uh, you know in the first season the animation is you know what you expect it to be from from I think 2012 2013 mm-hmm. is when it started. It's what you expect from the time. If, if you've watched early Clone Wars, you know what you're going to get. Uh, mm. But it evolves over the course of the show. The backgrounds get better. The characters get better. And like I said, the writing is just so good that you you get sucked into it. Like you you accept that world and, and just move
3: on.
1: Awesome. All right, James, what's, uh, what's a, either a reboot or a continuation that
3: uh, you've really enjoyed? The reboot to the Matrix series that is just John Wick 2. So that's great. That's great. Um, that doesn't count. Uh, no, uh, in all seriousness, I mean, we, we've mentioned a lot of like movies, TV franchises, um, being the big gamer that I am, um, there, there have been a number of like gaming reboots and one of the best. Um, That has occurred in recent history um, for me was the reboot to the Tomb Tomb Raider franchise. Mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of people out there that would disagree with me on it. I think it's phenomenal. I think the retelling of Lara's story is good. I think they did a lot to make her less of the sex symbol that she was previously to step away from that. And kind of show us like the adventure that she could be that kind of the some of the legitimacy behind her um, as far as like uh, her background and her motivations and things like that. I think Crystal Dynamics did a fantastic job with the reboot in that franchise. The sequel was also a great game. Um, They're just continuing on with that alternate uh, storyline. And it's been really great.
1: Oh, cool. Yeah, no, I, I'm not uh, a very big gamer uh, in modern games, but I really love retro gaming. And one thing that's excited me, this isn't my pick, but just uh, you, you might appreciate this is the, uh, you know, a few years back when they decided to continue the Mega Man games as the, <laughs> you know, side scroller, you know, Mega Man 9, Mega Man 10 and everything like that. And I was like, that is amazing because yeah. I always said that, you know, when everybody went pure 3D, that that was a mistake So I'm like, there's still room for side scrollers you know platformers and stuff like that and yeah i'm i'm glad that the people making games are starting to realize that
3: well and that's what like we're on the video game industry side of things indie developers are seeing a lot of results with that like Mm -hmm. if you look at a lot of indie games through steam um or even through playstation store xbox live store all that kind of stuff uh a lot of the indie developed stuff on there is like top like old school like top-down shooter style games Mm-hmm. Or side scroller games, and they're huge successes. So yeah, I think eventually the mainstream industry is gonna start steering a little more back towards that direction with some some more updated titles.
1: Like I say, it's it, that's what gets my that's what gets me going. So you <laughs> know, I think that's awesome. But uh, for me, uh, I think in just the last few years, uh, and maybe it's because I'm just currently watching it right now, but I've been blown away by Voltron legendary Defender. Mm-hmm. I loved Voltron as a kid. But I tried watching it, I don't know, three or four years ago, and it was pretty much unwatchable. It, it, and, and I'm somebody who can watch a lot of the 80s cartoons that I used to watch. I mean, I, I've re-watched all of Transformers, and I loved it. But Voltron, the writing was just so bad. <laughs> so bad. And some of the voice work was so bad that it was just like, I can't, I, I just can't do this. So uh, having Voltron come back and having it be this really great all ages show where they've got a little bit of the slapstick and whatnot for the little kids but they've actually got like a really decent storyline going on also and how they've tweaked you know all the developments to you know and all the things so it's still familiar to you if you were familiar with Voltron but it's a completely new story and it's completely new situations on how everything comes together and it's it's really excellent and i can't recommend it enough especially to people from our generation but also if you don't know what voltron is just check it out on netflix because uh it is that good of a show yeah you'll
3: you'll watch one episode and then suddenly find yourself like hours later having been (laughs) watched all of it and you're like oh my god i don't know what happened to my day but this was amazing Yeah, I love
0: it. Uh, I, I, and I wasn't—I wasn't a huge Voltron fan when I was a kid. I mean, I watched the show because it was an '80s cartoon, so that's—that's that's mm-hmm. what we did. But I, I wouldn't list it in my top ten or anything. Mm-hmm. But when it came on Netflix, uh, it was one of those things where I was like, "Oh, maybe I, you know, this is one of those things that I can me and my son can both enjoy equally, like we do Ninja Turtles." And we watched it, and he loved it. I love it, and now they've got toys of it, so there's another connection there. But yeah, they've done an amazing job of telling, I I think, more complex stories than I remember there being, and engaging us more in the characters. They're not just the the arm-waving sort of anime stereotypes uh, Mm. that I remember from the original show. Like, we're really getting to know each of the pilots and and, and the world that they inhabit. I I dig it, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I think Netflix definitely deserves some credit for being
1: a network that, I guess, probably because they're just trying to start or they're just starting to make new content in the last few years that has taken a lot of risks on continuations rather than doing either full reboots or something new, you know, they've, they've continued a lot of things. I mean, not just Voltron, you know, they're also, uh, they're going to do the, uh, Twin Peaks continuation. They've also got, uh, even the, the sequel to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon came on Netflix. I'm sure there's a whole bunch of other ones that I'm not thinking of, but Fuller House. Uh, Oh, Fuller House. Yes, of course. Yeah. yeah another one that. Yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know how everybody feels about Full House, but it's something that was such a part of my childhood and had that sort of sweet sitcom, you know, vibe to it that I am just completely in love with Fuller House just for bringing back all those memories. The show is cheesy, I mean, it's, it's kind of dumb, but it's, it's sweet that way that you just remember shows being back then, so I, I do kind of love it, but, uh, but anyway, yeah, Netflix, um, I think deserves a lot of credit for, for this sort of wave of nostalgia and sort of satisfying our, our hunger for this.
0: Well, oh. on Amazon, too, for bringing back The Tick. Did mm. you guys watch that? Uh, I
1: have not seen it. Did they actually bring it to a series, or is it still just a pilot?
0: Yeah, it's just the pilot, but I thought it was awesome. And they are bringing it to series. It just hasn't hit yet. But the pilot, I thought, was phenomenal. Okay,
1: yeah, I was waiting to see if it got to a series, because I actually don't have have Amazon Prime, so I haven't been, like, watching any of the content on Amazon.
2: Well, I think this is uh, just Netflix and i guess amazon they understand who their customers are a little bit better than just traditional cable Mm -hmm. they they know how to appeal to us but i mean like just to jump back to voltron for a second my the one thing i would add to that is that it's probably it's so good a show that i've recommended it to people who never saw the original voltron Mm it it does not need that nostalgia factor it stands completely on its own
0: yeah yeah i agree because my i mean my son's nine so he's you know he hasn't seen any of the he didn't know what voltron was but he has fairly discerning taste just because i've you know (laughs) of what i've exposed him to over the years and uh you know he didn't need to know what it was he was like hooked by the fact that it's five lions that form a giant robot (laughs) but then compelled by it just being a great show yeah
1: I, I do say, I, I do, I do feel like I miss them calling out what they're doing when they form the robot, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> besides that, no, I actually, a uh, really interesting thing and, and it's going to be spoilers here. So, uh, if anyone hasn't seen Voltron, you're listening to this podcast, just jump forward like two or three minutes because, uh, I, well, I am I'm, going to spoil I'm something. only,
0: I'm only at the first episode of
1: the second season. Oh, no, this won't spoil anything for you. This okay, is in the first okay. season. Um, the thing that my oldest daughter really liked is that Pidge is a girl.
0: Yeah. In yeah. In this version.
1: Really cool. yeah. And, uh, you know, just one of those things about representation mattering, you know, is that she was like, oh, it's five boys, you know, it was like, she actually said that, you know, when the show started, and we were like, just watch, just watch, and it's like, and she liked that Pidge is a girl, and that, you know, Pidge is the smart one, and, you know, she's, she's, she's digging that, and my youngest, uh, who's five, also likes the show, so, you know, it's, uh, it's, yeah, I mean, it's something for modern audiences, and doesn't need the, the nostalgia, but I think it does add a little something if you have that love for Voltron from the past. Yeah.
2: Well, that's that's nostalgia modernized done right, you know. Which will piss off. (laughs) There's a certain population which you cannot (laughs) change, you know, without pissing off them. But uh, that they did it right, and I mean, it's kind of like you know to touch on a sore one for a lot of people. The new Ghostbusters Mm. that that one I think had an uphill battle before it ever even hit the theaters there's no way no matter how good it had been it couldn't have succeeded and it wasn't great i mean it was certainly not better in the first one but i would say it was better than ghostbusters 2 but yeah there but there was a there's a certain dark side to nostalgia which just hates something because it's uh, a remake and and definitely hates it if it does involve better representation then it's just it's a no show from the beginning
1: well, and this is it's a good point to bring up because this is something that's bothered me for a while too is when the hate starts uh, before even the first teaser trailer. For yeah. a movie, a new movie—it's yeah. usually movies that we see it for, but I, I guess occasionally TV shows and other things too. And it's like it's like the whole Batfleck thing. You know, people hated Batman versus Superman before it even came out, like before we even saw a trailer for it. It's just up. Uh, ben Affleck was cast as Batman. This thing is just going to be awful. It
0: sucks. Whatever. Which is hilarious because shouldn't we have learned the lesson about Batman casting in 1989 when people right. had the same reaction to Michael Keaton, right? Mr. Mom? He was amazing, <laughs> right? right.
1: yeah no and the thing is you know i'm not the biggest fan of batman v superman but i don't think the casting of ben affleck was you know the problem with the movie you know that's that's not the issue but people just hated on that thing and that's what i'm getting sick of it's like i am it's funny because right now on the internet i feel like there's this huge force that is just like hey if you're negative about anything you know you need to be shut down and shut up and it's like it's too much of an overreaction, and I'm often fighting that thing. But at the same time, you need to have an informed opinion. You know, when you're just hating on crap, when you haven't even seen anything yet, or you just have the smallest tidbit, that pisses me off, too. It's like, once you've seen the movie, if you think that it's awful and you want to say it, you have every right to say it. But, you know, don't uh, don't start hating on something when you don't even know anything about it yet.
0: Well, well, people like- are sitting on the edge of their seats, their computer chairs, at their keyboard, waiting for the first indication that it's going to be okay to hate something so that they can get the admiration of all their friends and followers for being the first person to hate it. Like, it's like every time a new Marvel movie is announced, you've got the hordes of people that are like, Oh, this is going to be the one that fails. This is where comic book movies are going to fall apart forever. (laughs) And it's just like that attitude of, of the desire to hate or to be outraged or whatever the case may be is, is so silly. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Well, and I'm like, uh, I'll be one of the first people to admit, like I was guilty of this and it was with one particular movie that still hasn't released. Um, and I have since changed my mind and whole opinion about, um, which was the new ghost in the shell uh, movie, Mm, which a lot of people like right away, you're whitewashing for casting a, you know, a a, a, you know, a, a white woman in a Japanese character role. You know, da-da-da-da. And like I was on board with like all of the hatred. I was like, yeah, yeah, all those things. Yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> what actually changed it was a buddy of mine who didn't even know my opinion. Like just sent me something really randomly. And it was like this video on YouTube. And it was this uh, this Japanese student who had never heard the term whitewashing he didn't know what it Mm. was he was like this isn't a term in japan like nobody knows what this is so i did my research on it and i think i understand what it is and like why people get angry i don't really understand that anger but i i decided to go and talk to some other japanese people and see what their thoughts about it were and so like the rest of the video is like little snippets of him like interviewing and talking to um other japanese people about the movie and like their thoughts on the casting of Scarlett Johansson in the role and everything and like all of them except for like I think two um were totally on board they're like I mean I assume they cast her because they thought she was the best actress for the role like they thought she would do the best in the role he explained like what whitewashing was and they're like that's literally the dumbest thing I think I've ever heard <laughs> like if she if she's the right person to cast then she's the right person to cast. Like, I mean, like, you know, we we don't really have an issue over this. Um, and so, like, after, like, watching the whole video and everything, like, there was a lot of other stuff that kind of connected in it, and I went, I'm an asshole. That's what I am. Um, I'm going to give this movie a fair shake because I'm a jerk. <laughs>
1: you know, this one almost deserves its own podcast, but I'm going to put my two cents in on it. You know, because the creator also of Ghost in the Shell has also come forward and said, you know, I just assumed since it was an American production that you would use, you know, an American actress. And see, the difference is Japan is a very homogenous country culturally. I mean, 99.9% of the population is ethnically Japanese. Uh, it's not like America, which is a melting pot. So, yeah, I don't think that the Japanese see it being an issue in the way that we do because if they took an American property, they would cast all Japanese people you know, in that pro- in their version yeah. of the property, because that's the way it is there. I think it is a little bit of a different issue here in America, especially when there are so many voices speaking out and saying that Japanese you know actors here in the states aren't being given the chance that they deserve. Like I say, it, it is it is definitely something that we could go down into the oh, weeds yeah, with yeah. here, <laughs> but I think it is a little bit of a bigger issue than you know than what it, a lot of. Ethnically Japanese people think it is just because of the fact that our culture is different, you know, and because of the fact that we are having this issue right now within the community where I think there are plenty of, you know, uh, Asian female actresses that could have, you know, taken that part. And sure. I think that that would have been, you know, a better thing for them to do rather than just going with the biggest name woman action, you know,
0: action star female that they could find. I have to fall on the side of practicality in this one because there are a couple of different facets to this one. A large portion of anime, there is not a race represented in the characters uh, and mm-hmm. particularly with this cyborg character that that over the course of the story inhabits many different bodies. I think it's a little tough to say that she should be Japanese, uh, as I would say for a lot of anime properties, a lot of time they're depicting Westerners in what they do. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing I want, I want to mention is, and this is so off of the reboot topic and I apologize, but, (laughs) uh, you know, if we're going to talk about it, you have to be practical and say, we need a certain amount of money to make this movie with the vision that the guy making it wants to make. And, are you going to make more money with the biggest name Japanese actress working today, or are you going to make more money with Scarlett Johansson? And once again, we're bringing it back to money, which is very base, but is also a fact. Mm -hmm. And if they had chosen the biggest name Japanese actress working today, and I I don't even know who that would be exactly, this movie would not have the budget that it has. That's a fact. Because it would not make as much money as it does, uh, as it will with Scarlett Johansson. And that's, mm. that's just a fact of the business. And, you know, maybe sometimes it's uglier than others, but that's that's how it is. If you want a live-action Ghost in the Shell, you, you're going to get Scarlett Johansson. And yeah. if you don't, that's a whole other issue.
1: Yeah, no, and I know that this is something that there's a lot to be said before, you know, for I, Yeah, this is, I, I, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. I,
1: I would like to do this as a topic. I was thinking of talking about this <laughs> subject with Iron Fist when it comes out.
0: Um, oh, but, don't uh, send me down that road. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll talk for hours. Let's gather <laughs> four more white guys to talk about this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, anyway, <laughs> We're moving on.
2: Changing my answer from uh, Fright Night to Man From U.N.C.L.E., so there you go.
1: Ooh, nice, oh.
2: nice.
0: Yeah, that was a fun movie. How about an okay. addendum instead of changing? Just add it.
2: Yeah, okay. right. <laughs> We'll take that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um,
1: Man From U.N.C.L.E., see, the sad thing is, even though I have seen the original Man From U.N.C.L.E., it was so long ago that I don't remember it, so for me, it doesn't have that sort of reboot, or it doesn't have that same feel to it, just because... It's something that I don't remember being accessible uh, the same way. In fact, I think it was just a marathon on one of the cable channels. Yeah, totally on
0: topic, since we're talking about reboots and, and uh, refreshing franchises, there is a channel, not all of you may have it, it's called Heroes and Icons. Yes. It is not yet available in high definition as far as I know, but... It shows Kung Fu at 3 o'clock in the morning. It shows Man from Uncle at 4 o'clock in the morning. Uh, shows some cop shows during the day. And then at night, uh, 8 o'clock Star Trek, 9 o'clock Next Generation, 10 o'clock Deep Space Nine, 11 o'clock Voyager, Midnight Enterprise. Oh, Monday through Friday. Amazing. And then on the weekends, they have a different schedule, but it's all, like, 70s and 80s shows. It's not, like... Law & Order SVU and stuff. <laughs> and it's... peanut <Yes>. <laughs> Blue. It, right. Yeah. <laughs> they show... Well, yeah, you're right. Um, they, they show Xena. They show Hercules. Like, it's all genre shows. I love this. It's my new, like... You know how back in the day when you were a kid and you were doing stuff, you just put MTV on? Like, you just put mm-hmm. it on mm-hmm. to, to have whatever you weren't necessarily paying this is my new mtv like i just put this on whatever it's on right now it's a uh, deep space nine is on right now
1: that's great because i mean bbc america shows the original star trek next gen and voyager but as far as i know it's not showing deep space nine so
0: and it's not showing man from uncle and kung fu right (laughs) (laughs) oh
1: man that's amazing but uh i also wanted to ask if there are any of these reboots or continuations that you guys felt just should never have been made it's just no we shouldn't have gone there um you know just take one i mean if you have a bunch don't don't just talk about you know four or five different things
3: for me like like it's and it's it's so recent it it's michael bay's reboot of like the teenage mutant ninja turtle movie franchise like i felt I hated the first one. I still haven't seen the second movie, which I've heard from some people. they're like, the second one's like considerably better than the first, and I'm like, in the sequel universe that's not saying a whole lot usually <laughs> um, but yeah, like I just like even before it came out, like I was just like, i this looks horrible. these look like hair lip baby face turtles, like there's something <laughs> wrong with this. I don't like any of it and then i watched it and i was like it's as bad as i thought it would be <laughs> like yeah just so unnecessary
1: <laughs> see funny enough i even though i haven't seen the second one either i thought that the turtles was at least better than transformers so i was like at least bay think, i think bay knows better what he's doing with the turtles than he did with transformers i
3: don't know so. how much that's saying <laughs> right. yeah uh, yeah
2: i have actually Three. but I'll go through them quick. And the first one's okay. not really an answer; it's just a uh, a possibility because I haven't. I want to say, and I'm not even sure if it qualifies, but I want to say Riverdale. But I haven't even watched a single episode of it. I just yeah, you have you to know.
1: watch it to yeah. to have an opinion. You can't you can't just say it.
2: I know, but I want to, you know.
1: <laughs> But Um, that seems so different from the source material that it doesn't really qualify. I mean, they're just taking the names of the Archie characters and throwing it on a CW show. It it might as well just be called CW show, the series. I mean, from everything that I see, I mean, it's
2: (laughs) in in all seriousness, I would say while there are some that are you know, coming down the pipeline that I'm dreading, like Highlander, uh, the ones that are out are, um, and they're both, strangely enough, like remakes of 60s shows, or, or 70s shows, uh, but Get Smart and Land of the Lost. I hated them.
1: Mm. Well, it's kind of weird that Hollywood is doing uh, these, like, take an old property and turn it into, like, a comedy. I mean, Bewitched, which we've already mentioned, is another one, where, you know, they've taken an existing, you know, uh, series that was not a comedy in the not not in the will ferrell sense anyway i mean it was kind of a sitcom but you know and turned it into a will ferrell movie it's like tonally it's like a completely different thing that they're trying to do with it than what it was it's not an update or a you know a modernization it's just we've we've completely changed what this is and uh while get smart doesn't fall in that category land of the lost does and that's a show that i loved growing yeah. up and yeah i haven't even bothered watching the movie version of it because
2: uh, you've n- you haven't seen it no i haven't no, seen okay it. don't yeah yeah
1: <laughs> there was nothing about that that i wanted to see <laughs> from the previews
2: i say that being a wolf Ferrell fan too you know i mean he's got his moments and his movies when when they're original can be funny and entertaining but when he does stuff like this and like we mentioned bewitch it just it falls flat
0: i can see that yeah phantom uh, I'm going to go ahead and agree up front that Land of the Lost was hot garbage that made me cry. <laughs> um, and when when people, because I always feel like, oh, this is raping my childhood is such a ridiculous overreaction yeah. to things but then I think of land of the lost and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it can happen because <laughs> that movie is just repulsive in every way. And I love the cast. I, I love all yeah. three of them. Uh, the Danny McBride, Will Ferrell, and, uh, from the Brian Fuller show, yeah, from, oh, uh, pushing uh, Days, uh, Um, yeah, pushing day. I can't remember her name, but anyway, I love yeah. that cast. The movie was terrible, but to move on to my, my pick in general, I have always had a very, very open mind about reboots and sequels and whatever else. Uh, I I don't judge based on a property's existence judge on the potential that it has. And when I see them announcing something, you know, I want to wait and see, I want to give it a chance. Mm -hmm. I won't immediately crap on it, but the movie that made me understand the outrage again, kind of like with land of the lost was the thing, Mm. the quasi prequel. (laughs) Well, I guess it is a prequel. Uh, it was pointless. It, It was not good. The effects didn't look as good as the original movie that was made 20 something years prior it it was it was just you know, it wasn't bad. It was just pointless. There was no reason for it. And and the nightmare on Elm Street remake was the same way. Oh, there yeah. was just no reason for it. It was mm. eh, it was, why why? Why'd you do this? Why'd you I- waste my time?
2: You know, rule of thumb there I guess would be both of those movies teach us that if they can't even come up with an original title, then right. the, the, there's going to be nothing else in it. You know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, th- those were both just—they—they—they uh, they, they put me off uh, so badly. Not—not not because they were bad, because I can enjoy a bad movie. They were just bland. They—they they were tofu. They were there was no reason for them to exist. No, I, I totally get you, because, you know, I'm a guy that
1: doesn't mind doing a little bit of my own riffing on movies, and so a truly bad movie can be enjoyable. I mean, yeah. it's why I watch a lot of kaiju movies, I and mean, I'm talking about the old 60s, you know, kind of kaiju, you know, Godzilla-type stuff, and some of those are so bad, they're good. You know, I mean, you're just laughing at, you know, the way things look and whatnot, but yeah... For me, and uh, I think that I think that this kind of falls in line with Phantom because I want to say I read a review by Phantom about this movie, but um, Fantastic, the Fantastic Four oh, reboot,
0: Fantastic, yeah, Fantastic,
1: yeah. <laughs> 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 which exactly what he's just saying. It wasn't necessarily a bad movie it was just the most boring schlock that I've ever had to just, you know, sort of wade through. And it just made, I mean, and yes, uh, you know, the only reason that I can see that it was made was just so that Fox could hold on to the Fantastic Four license Mm -hmm. and not let it revert to Marvel. And it was the worst reason to make a movie. You could tell there was no passion by anyone involved in it for the project. The actors were just kind of sleepwalking through the, the part. The script was, you know, not Interesting at all. There were all sorts of places where you could see that, you know, hey, you know, the movie could have gone in an interesting direction here, but they
0: avoided it every single yes.
1: time yes. that
0: there was potential to do that. Well, it was it there where like you're saying, there were points where it looked like the writer, director, whatever were like, Oh, you know what would be really cool if we did this, and then a producer <laughs> was like, Well, let's not do that then. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could see the the potential of it at moments shine through, Mm -hmm. but that's that's all it was. I've kind of blocked that one from memory. (laughs) I kind of disagree in the sense that it was made solely to keep the rights. I think that just ended up being the reason it was pushed out, (laughs) rather than just sitting in a a vault somewhere.
1: Mm, Like the (laughs) Corman version.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But... um, Yeah, that Trank. Because Chronicle was really good. Josh Trank did great with that. Yes. And then, yeah, and then that movie just.
1: Well, you know there's a problem when the director gets on social media and starts trashing the movie like the (laughs) night before it comes out.
0: Well, that's a problem in and of itself, though, because he never should have done that. That, oh, that was oh, I immature agree. and 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 very very foolish. I, I found that very off putting. Like I didn't think, oh, cool, he knows how bad it is. I thought he's he's a very unprofessional person yeah. that I would never hire to do anything.
1: Except, oh no, I agree it was unprofessional. I'm just saying though, the fact that he did that though was indicative of the fact that there were problems with the movie and that oh, yeah, there was yeah. definitely studio interference that he was unhappy with. That made it you know different from the movie that he wanted to make yeah
2: but if you want to work in Hollywood again you never throw the studio under the bus right yeah
1: yeah no it was a ridiculous thing for him to do and yeah I yeah. agree with Phantom very unprofessional but but yeah it did it did tell me a lot at the time it's why I did not see it in the movie that any any movie that's a Marvel or DC property I pretty much see in the movie theater except that one because I was like I'm not going to spend the money on this if even the director is
2: saying that it's no good I'm going to Netflix it you, you made the right call. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> now, actually, you might have wanted to wait to, like, USA or something.
0: <laughs> 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 if only they still had USA up all night. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> The only other thing I'll throw out there as a minority report is I was so excited for a new Independence Day movie, and Independence Day Resurgence, to me, while not as bad as Fan4Stick, was uh, same problems, completely boring movie rather than being a bad movie, and avoided all the things that could have made it interesting, and even did the the one thing that people absolutely hate about sequels and continuations which is retconning and the retcons all felt awful and unnecessary and so yeah i uh i i
2: I wanted to like that movie so badly and i didn't yeah however however much money will smith wanted they should have given it to him I don't know that that would have saved it, though. It would have been better, I think, but I don't know that
1: that would have saved it. I mean,
2: <laughs> it couldn't have hurt, let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, I will say the best parts of the movie were when Bill Pullman was being Bill Pullman um, <laughs> instead of being the crazy old man that they had him in the beginning. But once he started acting like his presidential self from the first movie, it was like, yes, yes. There could have been 90% more of that.
2: <laughs> or- You know, or anything with Brent Spiner. Yeah.
1: Mm. Yeah. I I, I didn't really care for what they did with him in that, but anyway.
2: Maybe they just need to make it a TV
3: series. (sighs) Ah...
1: And that's the thing that we haven't talked about is all these TV series coming out now that are movies like the uh, Lethal Weapon TV series and the yeah. Rush Hour TV series and any action movie you can shake a
3: stick at is now a TV series. So yeah. the, the one series I can I can definitely say I enjoy and I, I initially didn't think I was going to because I grew up on all of the Lethal Weapon movies, so it was always uh, Mel Gibson and Danny Glover, you know, mm-hmm. and I was just like like. You can't you can't replace Don, like like you can't replace Danny Glover. You you can't. Like you could replace Mel Gibson. I I could maybe make an exception there, but you definitely can't replace D- Danny Glover. I legitimately love that show. Like everything that they have done in terms of conceptualizing like a deeper level of rigs is phenomenal like the guy who does the acting is great like i love the character but yeah they've done a fair share out there in hollywood of like taking like an original movie concept and being like like i mean they did it with minority report where mm-hmm. they <laughs> they had that movie and then they're like we could make a tv show and the tv show fell really hard on its face yeah
0: i agree with you about lethal weapon i i love it i think they've done a great job and and i love that for the most part it's it's one and dones like it's almost like an old 80s action cop show in that yeah. it doesn't have the such a strong overarching story that if, like you could drop in and watch an episode anytime and, and understand what's going on and I yeah. dig that very much yeah
2: uh, to its credit and uh, like James was saying I, in a thousand years, I would never say let's put Damon Wayans in for Danny Clepper. Never. (laughs) (laughs) But it works, you know. Well,
1: it's, it's, there's, I have two minds of this because some movies I think lend themselves to a TV show plotline Uh, you know, an episodic weekly thing better than others. Like, uh, Minority Report, even though it did fall apart, I think that that idea of making Minority Report into, like, a procedural cop show at least has some sort of merit. I'll give Frequency out as another one, which I was the only person watching, but uh, (laughs) I think was way better than the movie, because I didn't really care much for the movie. I thought it had a lot of plot problems and thought they didn't handle their time travel very well. but. I realized that it didn't have uh, the potential, though, for being a, a very long running series. But for just the 13 episodes they did, they were able to tell one storyline. Uh, they improved upon the movie in every way, in my mind. And ending it where they did, I think that it worked really well. Whereas, uh, you know, some other uh, movies, like for instance, uh, I haven't seen the pilot for Time After Time that just came out last night as of the time that we're recording this. But I'm having a hard time figuring out how Time After Time is going to be a weekly series that doesn't end up feeling really, really tired after the first season or two. Uh, Because it's like, if they're hunting Jack the Ripper, you know, for, you know, season upon season upon season, it's going to get really old really fast. Um, So, uh, you know, it's, they need to choose the right properties, too, when they're turning into TV shows. And they could completely prove me wrong with Time After Time. I'm just saying, though, some movies, I think, make better concepts uh, for TV shows than others.
2: I I haven't seen it yet, uh, either time after time, or um, another one I think I agree with you, the concept just doesn't, I don't think it would transfer well, is a training day. I don't know how they're going to get a, a whole season or a series. I guess, well, now I guess they won't do a second season, but I don't know how they were ever going to do it. It just right. doesn't really make sense.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's just one of those things where uh, I feel like sometimes they have the right idea for uh, a remake or a continuation, and sometimes they don't. Yeah. Do, we're getting about to the uh, ninety-minute mark here. So, does anyone else have any anything burning that they want to say about uh, reboots, remakes, or anything about that?
2: Ooh, teacher, teacher, teacher. Yeah, teacher. Um, I, I would just I would say that to go back to the money aspect of it for for a moment. The, okay, that there is one property that there. Are, considering remaking and it's purely just for money um, and and it's one it's very rare that i will say don't touch a property that it was perfect the way it was and you, they don't need to do anything with it but i'm definitely afraid of them remaking big trouble in little china
0: yo oh. <laughs> i didn't even want the comic book
2: yeah yeah and so that one that's the very that's the exception to the rule i'd say where don't you leave my childhood alone
0: well, unless you're going to bring Kurt Russell back as, like, an old man and, and do an actual sequel with John Carpenter directing. Uh, maybe. Otherwise, I, I'm not interested.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm usually more up for continuations than reboots, but then there are cases that are different. I mean, I've already said I don't have much time for the new series of Doctor Who, which is a continuation rather than a reboot. And it's one that I sort of kind of wish had never been done because... I feel like a lot of the material that was coming out in the novels and the audio dramas that they were doing, uh, before the new series came out was better than what the TV series did. It certainly didn't have the distribution and the recognition and, uh, that, you know, the new series has given to the brand Doctor Who, but in my mind, it was better content. And so I would have preferred for that to have continued. And I mean, the, the audio dramas do continue in some form, but they have tried to steer them more in a direction to be in line with the new series, which is something that I haven't appreciated as much. So it's just one of those things. And it depends on what's important to you, you know, also, as far as like what is, you know, what's part of the core of your childhood? You know, if something's something that you love a lot, you are probably less open to seeing it changed then, you know, uh, things that you might be familiar with, but weren't like the core, like Phantom was talking about with Voltron, you know, changing, you know, Voltron probably didn't mean much to him because, you know, it wasn't a huge thing from his childhood. So uh, it's just one of those things. Um,
0: I breathed a massive sigh of relief when Kevin Smith's Buckaroo Bonsai fell through. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was hard. And look, I like Kevin Smith movie. Well, mm-hmm. I like Kevin Smith comedies. But I, I don't want him anywhere near Buckaroo Bonsai. I, I was appalled at the thought that that was going to happen.
1: Yeah, I was really scratching my head at that one. Um, I mean, I guess another one in the same vein was the uh, Seth Rogen uh, Green Hornet. Uh,
0: oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even have an attachment to Green Hornet at all. But mm. that movie was just not... They, they didn't get the tone right. They didn't get any... It was bad. That was yeah.
2: Yeah. Well... Okay, so I think I know your answer to this, Nathan. But is anyone besides me not looking forward to Blade Runner two? Oddly enough,
0: I don't like. I recognize Blade Runner for what it is, and I respect it. Uh, it's not one of my favorite movies, and I don't hold it up as this holy uh, grail that a lot of people mm-hmm. seem to like. It's it's cool. It's fine, uh, but I don't have enough attachment to it to have feelings about. Them doing a whatever. I don't. Is is it a sequel? It's a sequel, right? It's a, it's sequel. a sequel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, they got Harrison back. We'll see.
1: Okay. Yeah. See, Phantom continues to be my spirit animal because uh, (laughs) that's it's the thing. I feel so awful because for the longest time I hadn't seen Blade Runner, and that was like my secret geek shame was that I hadn't seen Blade Runner. So then I saw it finally, and then I was like, I don't see why everybody holds this movie up because it's fine, but it's not. It wasn't fantastic. I can see visually why when it yeah. came out it would have been huge because yeah definitely the world and the way the world was uh, realized uh, you know cinematography you know all that it looked really good but you know plot wise and acting wise and everything else it didn't really seem all that special to me so yeah i don't really care so much about the sequel either uh, i don't mind if they want to do it i might like the sequel better so <laughs> i'm not right, i'm right. not really that worried about it
2: yeah i think that if you saw it as a kid maybe
1: you know well and that might be too because i've seen so many other things that has dealt with you know the idea of what makes you know someone human and stuff like that and so i it wasn't a new thing for me when i experienced the movie either james do you have any thoughts on blade runner
3: not really i mean uh, it's it's been so many years since i've even watched like the original blade runner that like i just i yeah, I don't know. I don't I mean, I'm I'm kind of on on the same train of like I I mean, it it's never been on a pedestal for me and I know there's a lot of people who do. Um similar to any real franchise out there that like anybody's passionate about, you know, where you know, like if it had been something along the lines of like they had only ever made one Star Wars movie and it was amazing for its era. Like I think fans would have been on the same page. Like uh, a lot of people with like Blade Runner, where they're just like, no, like this, like like I I don't think it needed a reboot. I don't think it needs a sequel. I think you know just the original concept was great. I mean I I think it would be, but yeah I I don't know. Like like I said, I mean recently like I I put a lot of things into perspective after watching a simple YouTube video. <laughs> Where I went, you know what, I think I just need to give things a fair shake. Like, no matter how much I dislike what I'm seeing appearing in a preview, or even, like, the internet conceptualization out there, somebody's like, rumor mill says, like, I just, I have to be yeah. kind of open, and, and I mean, obviously, like, judge it with a fair trade. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, if you see, like, it's a, it, you know, the preview, and, like, it looks like, eh, I don't know if it's worth, you know twenty dollars for the movie ticket kind of thing you know make that make that you know make that gauge and then you know wait like i'm one of those people like any movie like even if it's a terrible movie and i think it's going to be terrible if i rant on and on and on about it i make it a personal policy these days where i'll go you know what i will wait till it comes out on netflix and i will rent it or even further I won't even rent the DVD of that. I will wait till it comes onto, the, <laughs> onto Instant View, and we'll just watch it by streaming. Uh, but I will yeah. give it a fair shake.
2: Yeah. I, I appreciate giving it a fair shake, and, and I do in general agree with that. I guess I'm just worried it's going to be another you know kingdom of the crystal skull or something like that (laughs) (laughs) well well, and that's always the worry
1: i mean i'm worried about that for indy 5 which we know is coming in 2019 and you know i'm hoping that they learned their lesson after kingdom of the crystal skull but it is in the back of my mind are we going to get you know because i don't want to dilute indiana jones which you know has been great you know with yet another bad movie you know so uh It is a a concern. I can certainly understand if you love Blade Runner why you don't want a bad sequel uh, out there. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll just have to see. And and like, I mean, here's the thing. You know, I've seen now two Zack Snyder DC movies. So I feel like I can judge Justice League (laughs) before it came out because I know what a Zack Snyder DC movie is like now. But to James's point, if it's something, you know, more new than that you know i try to keep an open mind you know if i don't know you know much about a property or about a particular director or whatever you know even with previews you know sometimes previews sometimes previews make a movie look way better than it is and sometimes they make it look worse than it is so it's sometimes hard to tell even with previews so uh you just got to use discernment and decide whether it's something you want to take the risk on or not but i'm trying to keep more of an open mind about things that i haven't seen yet absolutely So, um, yeah, if nobody has anything else they want to say about remakes or uh, reboots, I think it's time to sign off. James, why don't you say uh, goodbye and let people know where they can find you?
3: Yeah, uh, it's been great uh, being on this episode. Uh, If people want to follow me, uh, they can find me at Roman on the Rocks on Twitter um, or uh, my Facebook uh, page for my site, uh, which is just Roman on the Rocks. uh, Simple enough. All right, Ryan, why don't you sign off and let people know where they can find you?
2: All right. Well, Internet, you can find me on my uh, still-not-updated website, uh, geekstranger.com. Uh, but, you know, I just saw Logan, so I'm thinking about doing something for that. Maybe that'll be my you know step back into it. Um, Twitter, at Geek Stranger. And, of course, if you're following any of these other fine gentlemen on Facebook or online, you can probably find me through them because I will... Be in vehement disagreement with him. And oh my god, Fury Road. Fury Road is my answer. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
2: You, you got it in right at the end. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's good. <laughs> all oh right. I feel better. At 3 a.m., if I'd thought of that, I'd have myself.
1: <laughs> I can just see you messaging me. Like, you know, all of a sudden on the messenger, my phone, it's like, no, oh, I got my answer. I got my answer. It's Fury Road. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And then, then I have to try to like edit it into the podcast.
0: <laughs> all right. Phantom, um, why don't you sign off and let people know where they can find you? Uh, you can find me five days a week at needlessthingssite.com myself and my contributors provide pop culture commentary all week long. And then every single Friday, the needless things podcast goes up and is available there and on iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, I am phantom turbo on Twitter because I chose a stupid long name and, uh, L phantasmus on Facebook, where you should also join the needless things podcast, Facebook group. Yeah, I can say that uh, Needless
1: Things is a lot of fun, uh, both the website and the podcast. And, uh, you know, Phantom, as you can tell from this uh, podcast, is a very fun guy to have around. So if you ever uh, hear about him being at a con or something, definitely check out panels and stuff that he's doing because, uh, you know, it's uh, it's always a great experience. So uh, thanks for coming on, Phantom. And thank you, James and Ryan, for coming on as well. Thanks for having me on. I enjoyed talking to you guys. Yeah, it was a blast.
3: Yeah, loved it.
1: And that's it. Another episode of the 42Cast completed. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed the episode. But let us know by emailing us at everything at 42Cast.com. Or you can leave us a message at www.facebook.com 42Cast. Or on Twitter at, at 42Cast. You can also leave us a review at either our webpage, which is 42Cast.com. Or on Stitcher Radio or iTunes. We just want to know what you think. What topics have you liked? What don't you like? Uh, Is there anything about the format that you would like to see changed? Just let us know. And with that, it's time to sign off. Next week, I'll actually be joined by two of the writers for the X-Men animated series of the 90s. So check that out as we do our first interview. And until then, this is Nathan, signing off. You've been listening to The 42 Cast, copyright 2017. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. Incidental music is provided with permission by Fur DK.